The people around us, oh God, the people around us that are put in our path, they deserve it. They deserve it. And when you realize how much you felt that you deserve it, and you just wish that somebody would see that, that you've always wanted a hand up, not a handout. You just wish somebody would see that you're struggling through life and maybe you'd get that moment in time that it would change you. We're all the same. We all feel that way. We're all looking for that. The only difference is you're listening to this and you have the ability to take after today and just be like, you know what? I need to be a blessing bomber too. I need to realize it's less about me, more about them. I need to realize that I reap what I sow. And from this day forward, this is how I'm going to show up on the planet. And I'm going to sow these things for zero expectations, but in the understanding that they'll be returned to me in some shape, some form, some fashion. Welcome back to Beyond the Default. I'm Liz Moorhead. And as always, I'm joined by George B. Thomas. How are you this morning? Liz, I'm doing really good. I am one podcast away from getting in a car and heading down the road with a couple friends and my wife to go to a Lionel Richie concert. Oh my gosh, that sounds outstanding. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Well, we're going to have one pretty big conversation before I let you go to get into that car. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I've been actually looking forward to this since we decided we were going to do it. Unpacking this and documenting it for eternity is going to be great. Well, let's let our listeners in on the secret of what we're going to be talking about this week. The idea of getting what you deserve. What immediately comes to mind or what do you feel in your body when you hear the phrase getting what you deserve, George? Yeah, it, there's a couple different directions that my brain goes, to be honest with you, Liz. But I can remember back in the day, young George. And, um, you know, people would throw different sayings around like, you know, karma's a, you know, the rest of that saying. And what comes around goes around. And, you know, it was very easy for me to believe those types of sayings when I was what I like to affectionately now call Dirty George, meaning I was just living life all about me. I was doing whatever I wanted to do. A lot of it wasn't healthy. Some of it wasn't legal. And so it was like, okay, I deserve to be in this place because I'm being this type of human. Fundamentally, I feel like I understood if you got your stuff together, then maybe life would change. But hey, you're out here, you know, just balling, doing your thing, not giving a care about anybody else. So good luck, buddy. Like that's, that's where my brain goes. But there's another place where when you start to change that and fundamentally you believe that other people should think different of you. However, what's the interesting struggle is, have you even started to think different about you, right? So it's, it's this whole like where you decide to rest or be stuck or not be pushing yourself because we're having a conversation on beyond your default, not pushing yourself beyond your default. And we'll kind of get a window into what a large part of this actually means for me out of today's conversation. You know, that's where my brain goes, Liz, is like, you kind of get what you get, you are what you are, or are you? You know, where your brain went when you started talking about making the conscious choice to elevate yourself, right the ship, do those different things. I think we've all had those moments in life, no matter how big or small they might be, where it's like, I am making the conscious decision to better myself. Whether that's 
breaking a bad habit, whether that's doing something more grander in scale. And then I think we can all admit we've had those moments of, an, of internally going, well, where's my parade? Yeah. Where are my accolades? Can, can't everyone recognize how hard I'm working? Doesn't the world see me? I mean, I come on, I'm over here grinding. <laughs> exactly. And it's not that I'm looking for accolades, but where are they? Yeah, yeah. But you have a particular moment in mind, I know, that occurred in your life that I'd love for you to share with us that I think is going to set the stage for our conversation today. Yeah, the thing that people need to realize is that I have been on one heck of a dang journey. And I'll never forget, you know, after my first divorce, and then I met Kelly, who is now my wife of you know, a lot of years, a lot of special, wonderful years. Uh, she's a fabulous woman. There was a time where when I first met her, she literally said, you can do that or you can be with me. And that was the start of something very interesting because I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'd rather be with you. And so it was her, it was me, it was my son, Seth, and I believe we had Shoot, I think we had two other children. Um, I'm fast forwarding, by the way, listeners. We had two children, and I had gone from being this bouncer at a bar, hanging out late at night, doing things that I shouldn't, treating people probably the way that I shouldn't, had a really short fuse. Um, it was nothing at a drop of a coin for me just to get in a bar fight and just start ripping faces. I had gone from that place to my pastor's office because I started going to church, which I didn't think I would ever do uh, again at that point. But again, thanks to my wife, I found myself in very interesting places. And I had said to Dave, hey, I think I'm supposed to be a pastor. And um, he just started laughing and he slid this piece of paper across his desk and it was where you could go to school for three years. And then at the end of the three years, and it was weekend in intensive, uh, like every quarter, you'd go up to this college for the weekend. You do all the studying from home because you got to remember three kids, a wife, you know, working a job, trying to survive, like eke out an existence. And so I was like, I'm going to do that. I want to do that. And so it was this like large point of like, OK, I'm going from what I would call Dirty George. I'm going to clean up my act. I'm going to do good things. Fast forward a little bit uh, longer. This is about maybe. I must say a year and a half, two years into this journey, and I walk into Dave's office again, which I walked into Dave's office a lot, but there's really some major points in the story where I should talk about walking in Dave's office, just not generally walking in to say hi and stuff. But I walked into his office, and I was super pissed. And I sat down and I, I said, Dave, I'm so frustrated right now. I've turned my life around. I'm going to school. I'm working two jobs because by this time I was, I think I was working at Pizza Hut and I was also then uh, the youth pastor at the church and going to school to be a pastor. I was like, I'm tired of this. Like, I've changed my life. You know, I'm doing the right thing. Uh, where the frick are my blessings? Like, I want to see the blessings. God should be sending down manna from heaven because dirty George has turned into clean George. Where are my blessings? And I mean, I just, Liz, I was so angry, so angry because I felt like I was investing in something and I wasn't seeing the payout for me. Now, here's the thing. The problem, if I look back, is I was looking for the payout for me. If I look at who I was affecting that point, my wife, my kids, uh, the kids that I was a youth pastor to, I was probably impacting tons of people, but I didn't have any clue. 
I was blind to the fact. But there I sat in his office. Where are my blessings? It's interesting to think about that moment in time, right? Where you are using almost the wrong measuring stick to understand what kind of impact you were having. Is there a way that you would have challenged yourself to look at that moment differently? If you could go back in time and say, hey, younger George, I know you're, you're baby stepping. You're doing the work. You're putting yourself out there. You got to look in a different direction. Yeah. And I would say this to anybody listening to this, like, <laughs> and this is going to sound easy when I say it, but I realize fundamentally that it is just hyper difficult. And that's quit thinking about yourself. You don't measure things that are happening around you by you. You measure you by the things that are happening around you. And there was a, a point in time, Liz, where that lesson just fundamentally became clear. Now, we've, we've learned through past episodes that your boy George might be a little hard-headed. Like, it usually takes a really bad accident or almost dying, and then he's like, oh, shoot, I get it. The same is very much true to the time when I actually learned about, hey, hey, buddy, hey, hey, um, it's not about you. So what happened next? Timing is funny. Timing is everything. About two weeks later, we actually took the youth group to a mission trip. Because of being originally from Montana, my wife and I and the church had scheduled a mission trip to go work at an Indian reservation in Montana. So we drove from Ohio, went to Montana, started working on this Indian reservation, and the pastor was super nice. We were putting in some, like, bathhouses and a playground for the kid and, you know, just, just stuff you do when you're on a mission trip, trying to take the not-so-blessed and move them a little bit forward in the life that they can live after you leave that mission trip. One of the things that happened while we were there is the pastor came up to us and said, hey, I got a really, I got a really special thing. We've decided we're going to do church on Sunday out in the middle of a field. We've got a big white tent. We're going to have a guest speaker. And I think it'd be really cool for kids from Ohio to just be able to have a church service in the valley, just being able to look at the mountains and see God's beauty and hear God's word. I was like, dude, sounds dope. Like, let's go with it. So we get to Sunday morning and, you know, I'm still internally wrestling. Like I'm there to help people, but I'm, and I'm blessing people, but I'm still in the back of my mind, like, where's my blessing? What the, you know, like I'm just, I'm, I'm still fuming from like the conversation of two weeks earlier. Focused on getting what's yours. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Focused on getting, you know, what's mine still. And so what happened next is... I would call it a miracle, to be honest with you. And I'll explain why. And I got to be, I, I just have to go somewhere. I need people to just kind of sit with me in this conversation for a minute. So first of all, this is back in the day, like back, back in the day. We're talking 20 years ago. So I would need you to put your mind frame in 20 years ago, some of the things that I'm going to say. So we get to Sunday, we go out to this field, we sit under this white tent and the band singing it's like a guitar and like a tambourine and like because there's no electricity out there people it's like acoustic style worship all of a sudden the pastor gets up and he introduces the guest speaker and her name is prophetess Juanita now I need to unpack two things right there first of all her name back then especially in Montana a woman behind the pulpit wasn't really a thing yet 
Like we've come a long way in the last 20 years for things that shouldn't be allowed to happen or shouldn't be allowed to happen. But here we are 20 years ago, Montana, and this prophetess Juanita goes to start to speak. The second thing that I have to unpack is Juanita was an African-American woman, which 20 years ago in Montana, there was not a lot of African-American folks. Now there are now because moving from the places and the internet, but back in the day, there was no internet. There was like, if you weren't a rancher, a bartender, like (laughs) worked at a gas station, nobody was moving there. Okay. But 20 years ago. Now, the other thing I want you to realize, we're on an Indian reservation and it's a prophetess that is an African-American woman preaching. I'm like, what is going on right now? God, what are you doing? Like, do you even know what you're doing? Now, I want you to hear that, but that is literally the thought when I'm sitting there. God, do you even know what you're doing? And so she's preaching and I'm half paying attention. You know, the kids are, they're getting it. Like I can tell the kids are enjoying it, but I'm just, I'm half, half there. Until this one moment where she's preaching and all of a sudden the wind, you can just, the wind starts to blow and the big white tent, you, because the wind hits the top of the tent and it starts to flutter down and I get goosebumps. I mean, I just got, wee. You know, Indians believe that spirits are in the wind, and we're literally having a worship service. And I'm just like, ooh, God is in the house, baby. I don't know what I'm feeling, but I'm feeling something. And so I start to pay attention to the message, and I start to feel a little, like, different. And I can't even explain. People have asked me, what do you mean different? I don't know. I just knew I felt a little different. So the service gets over, and she's walking down the aisle. And I kind of look up at her and then I look down and I look at my wife and I look down at the ground and I see her feet are kind of coming close to me. I have my head down. My arms are literally like on my knees. I have my head down. I'm just kind of like, oh, geez, okay, let's get back at it. It's time to go to work. And I feel somebody touch my shoulder and I look up and it's Prophetess Juanita. And she says to me, when are you going to realize you're the blessing? And she walks away. From that day forward, I was like, oh, what? And I really embraced this idea of I've been sent here to be a blessing. I'm screwing this up because I'm too focused on what's in it for me instead of what I can do for others. There's another sermon that happened when we got back to Ohio that was um, called The Blessing Bomber, because there were some conversations around what happened, and Dave went and looked up some scripture and all of this stuff. From that day forward, I decided I'm going to walk this earth, and I'm going to be a blessing bomber, whether it's financially, which for a large part of my life I couldn't do, with my time, or just showing up and realizing my job was to make people better than when I found them. I am literally called to be a blessing to those around me. And so going from, where are my blessings? And two weeks later, when are you going to realize you're the blessing? And then being able to just dramatically rewire my brain to, how can I help? How can I fix? How can I be a catalyst in this moment that I'm in? Let me ask you this. Do you ever struggle to see the blessings in your life anymore now that you've made that subtle switch in your thinking? Only when I'm being a butthead, right? (laughs) (laughs) Because we all have those moments. Only when I'm being a butthead. But typically, no, because the real funny thing about this whole ordeal is that I have been more blessed when blessing others 
than I ever was when I was looking for the blessings. Like I find great joy. And what's funny, uh, Liz, is I started this conversation about karma's a, and you, you know, you reap what you sow, you get what you do. Like when you're sowing blessings, when you're focused on being a blessing bomber, yo, it comes back to you in so many ways. I would, any of the listeners, I would challenge you two weeks, two months, two years, like rewire your brain to be a blessing in every way that you can to everybody that you can be and watch what happens in your life over that time period. Okay. This is where Liz becomes a little bit probably too practical for her own good because I'm sitting here and I'm loving this idea, right? I'm loving this concept of moving away from the self-focused notion of getting what you deserve to being the blessing. How do you keep it from going too far astray into the territory of people-pleasing, neglecting your own needs? How do you find that line to walk where you are the blessing, but you are still taking care of yourself? My initial thought is you're going to have to ask somebody else, although I, I have been able to manage that. Like, it's funny because my brain goes to, you, you know, you watch superhero movies, right? And Liz, when they first get this new superpower, they're a hot mess. Like, their laser eyes are, like, burning down half of buildings. Like, they're flying and crashing, and there's, like, big, you know, crevices or, you know, it looks like a meteor hit the earth because they hadn't learned to fly yet. You might fall prey to everything that you just said when you're first starting to learn how to use this, what I'll call a superpower, being a blessing, focused on others instead of yourself. The second part, though, Liz, where my brain went is that like you have a new level that you actually are willing to go to before you would have historically called it unhealthy because you have a new perspective. Your brain's wired differently. And so... I rarely get into a situation where I felt like I've overdone it. And I have to tie one word, I think, that has helped me unlock being a blessing bomber and not falling prey to feeling like I've been taken advantage of. And that is the word expectations. Ooh. I fundamentally have zero expectations of any of the people that I'm helping. I'm not helping them because I'm trying to get something out of it. I'm helping them because I'm called to be a blessing, but I know in the back of my head, the universe, God, however you believe, it will return to me in some shape, some form, some fashion. So that allows me to have zero expectations for those around me. However, I have some real strict expectations for myself. You will never go back. You will never be that guy again. You will always put others before you. And if you don't, you'll be cognizant of it. You'll remind yourself and you'll get past your speed bump and continue to be what you know you're supposed to be. Don't you realize you're the blessing? You know how many times that hits my brain, Liz, when I'm being an asshole? Are you being a blessing right now? Ugh! Like if somebody takes a big dagger and shoves it in my heart. My brain works in a way now because I've programmed myself like, what are you doing? This is all about you. It's supposed to be about them. Don't you realize you're supposed to be the blessing? What's incredible to me, just going back to that story, is just that comment to you was apropos of nothing. She didn't know your story. She didn't know that that was the exact thing you needed to hear in that moment. 
that would change the course of your entire life. Or did she? Mm. Anyway, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Juanita, give us a call. Let us know. <laughs> yeah, please. 330. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So here's my question to you. What are the ways in your everyday life that you try to manifest this idea of being the blessing? Because you're a business owner. You're a busy, you're a busy guy. You're a busy dad. You have lots of different ways in which you show up in the world. So what are some examples in which you are being the blessing in a way that's everyday and accessible? Uh, another word, compassionate. Realizing that everybody has their journey, giving them the grace and space to walk that journey, to educate themselves, to figure out their own things that they're supposed to figure out. Like it's not easy employing your family, but if you're compassionate, if you learn to keep your mouth shut, if you err on the side of being empathetic, they're not there yet, but at least they're on their way. The other thing too, is I've had people be like, why do you pay so much? What? Don't you realize you're supposed to be the blessing? That's the thing. I'll, I'll pay people more than maybe they're worth. I'll pay people more than the average, you know, in the state of blah, 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 in the country of blah, blah. No, 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 no. I want people to go, wow, it's amazing when you work with George B. Thomas. Like, first of all, he's not riding your butt. Second of all, he pays real good. Third of all, he actually like gives you time to educate yourself. Third of all, I just like hanging around with the guy. Just be a good human, Liz. And I do things above and beyond what would be, oh, God, I do. <laughs> I do things above and beyond what would be called normal. Normal's boring. Normal is the default. Normal is real close to getting stuck. And so, like, in all the ways, I'm trying to... And by the way, as I'm saying this, I just want all the listeners to know, I am not perfect. Man, do I jack this up sometimes? If you talk to my wife, my kids, my friends, will they say, he has his moments? Yes. When was the last time you jacked it up? Oh, jeez. I'd have to actually think about that. I mean, it. here's the thing. For the last year and a half of owning the business, probably many times, they might be micro times, right? But when you asked me that question, my mind immediately started to search for like a massively large blowout. You know what? I'll give you an example. And I guess I'm supposed to share this because it's the one that immediately came to mind. And it might sound dumb. Over the last 10, 12 years since Inbound 2012, I've been on what one might call a come up, building a brand, becoming... God, this makes me sick to even internet famous, whatever. But I'll never forget this one time. I went to a hug. It's, it's a HubSpot user group. I'm sitting there and I'm talking to some people and I'm, I'm being George B. Thomas. And this, um, this lady walks up and she, I can tell she's excited. She wants to talk to me. But one thing leads to another and I go from talking to people and I have to go speak on stage and I speak on stage and then I see that she's trying to make it around to talk to me, but I'm like, oh yeah, thanks. And, and, I, and I, I go and I get in my car and I'm driving away and I'm like, oh, I've felt this feeling before. And I just really let that person down. They wanted to talk to me. They wanted to share their story. They wanted to spend some time with me and I just, I let that person down. I know I felt that way before because I had been her to somebody who had been dramatically influential in me making a decision that I had made that at one point I got to see them at an event and it was the worst experience of my life. 
worst experience of my life. I was like, well, that was anticlimactic. But here's the thing. I knew that I screwed up. It was about a year later. I was at another event. I saw this human. I beelined it to this human. And I said, hey, the last time I saw you, we were at a HubSpot user group. I want to apologize. When I left, I realized that you were wanting to spend time with me, that you had something to tell me, a story to share. You just wanted to be in the space. I don't know exactly what it is, but I just want you to know I apologize because I felt like I wasn't important before. And I hope by all that is holy, I didn't make you feel unimportant. Her reaction was priceless because it was a big smile. And it was this kindred understanding of he's a good dude. Like it's hard to put into words, but we just, but we have a great conversation after that. But I knew that I had to step out of my comfort zone, be vulnerable, say it was my fault. I wasn't at my best. I wasn't paying attention. I was still trying to like hone in the superpowers, if you will. Um, but that's why now any event that I go to, I could give two craps less about if I registered for a session. If somebody stops me in the hallway, breaks. Okay, God, why do you have me here? What am I supposed to hear? What am I supposed to say? How am I supposed to help? Because I can educate myself when I get back home, but I can't get back this moment. I can't get back this moment. And that runs through my head so many times, like you can't get back this moment. And don't you realize you're supposed to be the blessing right here, right now. What's so wrong with getting what you deserve? Comes from the wrong place. You will get what you deserve. You will get what you deserve. <laughs> By the way, karma is a, <laughs> it's not just a little saying. But here's the thing that saying's jacked up because the original like thing that I would say is you reap what you sow. If you sow love, you'll get love. If you sow compassion, you'll get compassion. If you sow blessings, you'll get blessings. If you get to be a ninja and you can do all of those things, the life that you will live, you can't but help strap yourself into the roller coaster and hold on because it's not about if you want to go past your default. You will be escorted out of your default. And I've never really said that before, Liz, but that's how I feel what's happening in my life is I'm being escorted out of something that I'm no longer supposed to be in. That I've like found the secret unlock key and I've practiced the unlock key enough that the universe is saying, hey, uh, we need you to go over here. We need you to do these things. We need you, you to share your story. It's time for you to help people see the unlock button in their own lives. I'm being ushered out of Dirty George, of where's, where's my blessings? What's in it for me? Oh, I'm not going to spend time doing that. I'm not going to, I would make no money doing that. That's the thing. If I take it back to out of personal and to professional, I can give you plenty of stories where people are like, yeah, I called him up. He didn't even charge me. He just like gave me the answer. Why do you think, why do you think, by the way, I've created probably over 2,000 some hundred HubSpot tutorials and never really charged anybody? Like I threw them up on YouTube and was like, here, world, because I knew that I could move them from point A to point B. They just needed to watch a video. It would make their life easier. It would make their life better in a business sense. But I try to do that at a more grandiose level on the personal side. And what's fun is watching my family come along for the ride. I'll never forget. Here's another story, Liz. There's a thing I love to do, and it could be considered fun, funny, or you're a sick man. I'm not sure which it is yet, but I love to make waitresses cry. 
And what I mean by that is when you leave a tip and you know they felt something. And I'll never forget this one time. My wife and I were sitting at Logan's, Logan's Steakhouse. And it was my wife, uh, my daughter, Kaylee, and me. And we're eating a nice dinner. I, we had just had a win, by the way. And I'm like, we're going out to dinner. We're going to celebrate. And we were celebrating. And our waitress comes up, and she's a good waitress. She's doing a great job. And she starts to talk about how, yeah, on Thursdays I work here. I'm a school teacher. And I felt my insides being ripped out. And she walked away. I looked at my wife, and I go, can you believe that? Like, a school teacher has to work a second job just to make ends meet. This is the world we live in. Like, something's fundamentally wrong. And so we get done with the meal. And I said, uh, babe, leave a, leave a good tip. Well, how much? Babe, I don't care. Just leave a good tip. She needs to be blessed. She's working two jobs. She's a school teacher. She needs to be blessed. I won't disclose the amount, but it was a good amount. It was, I'd have been happy with the tip. We tried to sneak out. Like we left the tip and they were like, and break, let's go. <laughs> Trying to get out of there. But she cut us off at the pass. And her words were, uh-uh, you can't. No. And she was starting to cry. My wife looks over and she goes, oh, honey, you deserve it. The people around us. Oh, God. The people around us that are put in our path, they deserve it. They deserve it. And when you realize how much you felt that you deserve it, and you just wish that somebody would see that, that you've always wanted a hand up, not a handout, you just wish somebody would see that you're struggling through life, and maybe you'd get that moment in time that it would change you. We're all the same. We all feel that way. We're all looking for that. The only difference is you're listening to this and you have the ability to take after today and just be like, you know what? I need to be a blessing bomber too. I need to realize it's less about me, more about them. I need to realize that I reap what I sow. And from this day forward, this is how I'm going to show up on the planet. And I'm going to sow these things for zero expectations, but in the understanding that they'll be returned to me in some shape, some form, some fashion. What's interesting of how you phrase that is it's because we've been talking about this in the context of being the blessing. But the reality is, is that instead of focusing on getting what you deserve, it's looking around at the world and asking yourself, is everyone else getting what they deserve in the best possible way? Yeah. I mean, and it can be a kind word. <laughs> That's super powerful, by the way. I've seen grown men break down by a kind word. It could be a, a tip, right? It could be just spending time. Shoot, it could be five minutes of silence just sitting there holding their hand. That's the part that's hard, by the way. We haven't even talked about it, but the, the hardest part is diagnosing what blessing is it that you're supposed to deliver. Because if it's the wrong gift, then nobody likes the gift. But if you can tune yourself into like, what do they need in this moment? By the way, there is a part of your brain, we'll just call it the still small voice that you might want to tune into in those moments where you're like, what am I supposed to do here? And then just shut up and listen. And then you'll realize, you'll know, oh, I'm supposed to give this person a hug. I'm supposed to ask this person this question. You got to get out of your own way. You got to shut yourself up for a hot minute. You got to rewire the brain to be like about them, about them, about them. You got to know your job. Be a blessing, be a blessing, be a blessing. If our listeners only took away one concept, one idea that isn't be the blessing from today's conversation, what should it be and why? It's funny. I wanted to end this podcast with, don't you realize you're the blessing? 
That's how I wanted to end this podcast. But you just asked me that question in a way where I feel like I can't end with be the blessing. Nope, you can't. So this whole time we have talked about this at an exterior level. This is what I'll end with because you kind of started to lean into it, by the way. It's okay to bless yourself. It's okay to love yourself. It's okay to give yourself a mental hug. It's okay to give yourself grace and empathy. It's okay. That's what I want to leave everybody with, by the way. I feel those words. It's okay.